So, Romans 12, right? Romans 12, verses 3 through 13. So last week we continued our conversation on sin. We continued our conversation on what it, the practical Christian life and what your responsibility is with it. Again, a brief summary of last week is pretty simple, guys. It said we should present our bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. When we present our bodies to God, He is pleased with us and is our spiritual, spiritual worship to Him. Meaning, guys, that you know Christ died on that cross for us. And it's not just a, Lord, thank you for that, but you are a new creation when you believe in Jesus Christ. So the old things will pass away and you guys have a newness of life. That's what we've been talking on and, and it has been really evolved around what our what our idea of sin is, and, and sin through the first lesson is uh, it's fallen short of God's standards, whether that be through uh, your acts or, or your will. And I just wanted to shed some light on this difficult conversation because I think that's what it is. It's difficult when we start talking about sin. But something I was reading this week, um, I have to ask you guys this question. Do you feel like I'm hard on you? It's okay to answer. I'm not going to be upset. And I'll tell you why I am in a second. Do you guys, by a show of hands, do you feel like I'm hard on you? Sean's the only one. Sean's like, I got this, okay? Do you guys feel anywhere through this when, when I'm challenging you guys, do you, do you feel like I'm off base sometimes in my challenging or, or my teaching to you guys where you, you think to yourself, like, we're just teenagers. Like, let us have some fun, right? Trey, you're my man, buddy. Now check this out. I love Trey. Love him. So I've never looked at you guys as youth, and that is something that this week when I was going through this, this is my class I'm reading, and I've never looked at you guys as in youth, as in, you know what, we're youth, we're going to do what we want. We mess up. I, I've never looked at you guys that way. And that's why I teach you guys the way I teach you because I believe that you guys are the future of the church. You guys are the future of one day you guys will be teaching the church. One day you guys will be going out and evangelizing and you will be going out and telling people about Jesus and you will be sharing the word. And one of the reasons why I teach you guys the way I do is because I feel like I'm teaching not teenagers destined to fail and joke and giggle, but I'm teaching the future of the church, the future adults of the church. So I address you guys as adults. I address you guys the same way I would address the congregation down there. So listen to this real quick. What might happen if the church began to see the potential of youth as a missionary force? What if we treated our youth in churches like adults rather than like third graders, as so many churches do? What if college students became a priority of ministry rather than a sidebar of the church? What if we turned our youth groups and their YMCA-like programming into youth ministries focused on penetrating public schools and universities with the gospel? That's what you guys are going up against as young adults. And that's why I teach you the way I teach you, because you are the future of the church. 
And there's this burden that's been placed on me that, you know what, yes, games and, and fooling around is, is fun, but in the great context of what you guys are, you're the future of the church. And being in the future, you guys should be trained up as the future of the church. You shouldn't be trained up in this concept of church is just giggles and, and volleyball and football in the parking lot, but church is about learning the Word of God and diving into it. And then you guys take what you've heard and you place it in your heart, and then there's this, this change that happens inside of you to where you're like, you know what, it's time to grow up just a little bit, and we can start telling people about what we're learning and about what we're doing, and we can start sharing, and we can share in this broad spectrum to where people don't limit us because we're youth. We know what we're talking about. And that's, that's the way I see you guys. I want to read this one more second for you. This is some statistics. A research finding that more than four out of five or 81% had gone to a Christian church. This is youth, right? This is a, a lady was, was doing, she was a secularist. She didn't believe in, in the church at all, but she wanted to do a, a research on the youth inside the church. And she says that four out of five Youth leave the church once they get out of youth group. That's a huge disconnect. Four out of five of you guys. So I think we have like 30-something in here today, which means when you graduate, statistics say there will be six of you guys left in the church. That's right. Okay, right? Six of you guys in the church. So... 58% decline in church attendance also. So not only is there going to be six of you guys, the six of you guys that are here, 58% of the six, which means pretty much four of the six, are going to decline in their church attendance. That means this, about 8 million 20-something-year-old kids who used to be churchgoers no longer go to church. Why is that such a huge break in what we do. Trey. Is, is that what you think? Taste of freedom? So why are you guys, I ask you guys this, why are you guys here this morning? Are you here because your mom and dad said, hey, you're coming to church? Are you here because someone brought you? Or are you here because, for one, you're interested in, in what, what the Word of God says and, and you want to improve yourself? Like, to a show of hands, who came here today only because your mom and dad made you? I'm not going to tell your parents. Just raise your hands. Who only came here because your mom and dad made you? Sean, number two, are you only here because Sean, number one, brought you? I'm honestly here because he's here. And when he goes, I know My man. All right. So... I got an awesome youth group. That's, that's what that means. Like, the future of my church is glorious, right? Nobody's going to not come. But listen, yeah, 90, I'm like 98%, man, okay? Listen to this, though. About 8 million 20-something-year-olds don't come to church. That is a huge gap. And it's not just something that has happened now. It's something that's been happening for generations. It started, this decline started like 40, 50 years ago. The church started moving down. Yes, Donald? Couldn't that just be because, like what Trey said, the freedom? And no. 40 years ago, that's not Nope. You know why it is? Because there's this thing called postmodernism. It means that there's no belief in absolute truth. 
So now what the church says to people as saying that, hey, Christ died for you, they no longer take as fact. They, they go what? They're like, no, nah, I don't believe that. That's not true. And we've never changed our ways to meet this group. We've never changed the way we evangelize. We've never changed the church functions. At least successful churches have changed, but the good majority of churches have stayed stuck in their 1950-something evangelism, their 1950-something outreach. So you say freedom? I'll give some to freedom, but the bigger ordeal is that teachers in general have not done a good enough job of teaching you young churchgoers truth. If there's Anything I teach you guys when you come in here is truth. And if you accept it or not, that's between you and the Lord. But what's going to happen is you're going to hear truth. And it's going to appeal to you in ways where it's going to hurt sometimes, and it's going to appeal to you in ways where you're not going to believe it sometimes. But how can we continue putting our faith in salvation in a Bible that we don't find 100% truthful? How do we put our faith in Scripture when we say it's true when it comes to salvation, but it's not true when it comes to proof of living? That's what happens. The disconnect is what we find as truth. So I speak to you guys as young adults. I speak to you guys as the future of the church. Oftentimes, I speak to you guys the exact same way I would speak to the grown men that I work with when they ask me questions about the Bible. You know why? Because there's power in the Word of God, and it doesn't need to be muddied down or watered or dulled. Truth is truth. Now, whatever you take is that truth after I present it to you, that's, that's between you and the Lord right there. So I address you guys, and as you can tell, like 98% of you guys are going to stay in church after high school, which is a phenomenal, right? I'm better than the, than the rest of the world, but I want to present you guys with just this outlook on Scripture that is life-changing like it's done for me. Understand, I don't prepare a lesson for you guys that's not kicked me in the face in the process. Like, I'm never going to come in here and be like, you guys need to do this, but this guy's not going to do it. What I present to you guys is truthful. It's honest, and it hurts. So that's why I teach you guys the way I teach you is because I love you guys, and I have a concern over what you guys do in the future. So now that that's out of the way, Romans 12, verses 3 through 13 God's word reads like this. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think is to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, 
Each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service, in his serving. Or he who teaches, in his teaching. Or he who exhorts, in his exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Let's pray real quick, guys. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, Father, I just seek you for the truth in our hearts today. Father, I just want to cling to that cross, and I want to cling to the message that you've given us. So, Father, today, speak through me. Use me. Let your words come out of my mouth, Father. I want to take the second, guys. I want you to pray for yourself, for your own heart condition, that, that God's word will hit home on your heart and change you. Now I pray that, that you pray for me real quick so I can be useful for you. Father, thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So broadly speaking, guys, this is our relationship as the body of Christ. You guys hear me say all the time that we're not all called to be butt cheeks, okay? And what I mean by that is once we become Christians, right? I'm going to demonstrate this real quick with this chair. Once we become Christians, this is us, right? We, we come to the front of the altars. We say that, you know, we're saved by grace through faith. We accept Christ. Most of us are baptized. And then we hit our Christian walk like this. This is us. I'm the butt cheek. Which means I'm not doing nothing. So I have this big old allotted thing of faith. And I hit the ground as the butt cheeks of Christ. I just sit here. I don't move. I don't want to tell nobody about Jesus. I don't want to change any hearts by the message that's been laid on my heart. I just want to sit here. I don't want to tell nobody. I don't want to do nothing. I just sit here. And then when I get uncomfortable, I do this number. I switch to the other cheek so we relieve the pressure off of the other one. And then when that gets old, we come back over here and we, we take the pressure off the right one. Now we're sitting on the left one. This is what we do. This is what we do. And it's not just the youth. It's not just the youth, guys. It is... It is, it is the church in general. It's the church in general. We don't want to put ourselves out there. We don't, want to, we don't want to tell nobody about Jesus, right? We don't want to invite friends to church. Like Sean number two, we don't want to invite them because we, we don't want them to know what we're about, right? We just keep it to ourselves. When we're walking through school, it's easier not to tell nobody, hey, I'm a Christian, I believe in Christ. Why? Why do we not tell nobody? Because we don't want to be made fun of. We don't want no one to rock our boat, right? We just hang out. 
And as long as we sit in the church and, we, and we're doing the, the good Christian thing, my parents brought me to church, and that's where I'm going to end at right there. My butt cheeks are well warmed in, right? We never get to become part of this body. Listen to what it says. Listen to what it says real quick. It says, we are many, are one body in Christ. This is verse 5. And individually, members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. Exercise. I told you guys a couple weeks ago that I'm gaining weight, right? My, my, uh, my temple's expanding. I'm adding a new room. So right now I'm in the process. I'm in the process of jumping rope. My guy at work gave me a jump rope. And he's like, dude, jumping rope's awesome. I'll tell you what. Have you guys ever jumped rope? Dude, it wipes you out, does it not? Like... I'm wheezing like a fat kid in a candy store. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you. When I'm jumping rope, I'm 30 seconds in and I'm dying. But listen, I have to start somewhere. See, it's, it's exercise them accordingly. So my calves are pretty weak when I'm trying to lift 230 pounds. But as I get lighter and they get stronger, what's going to happen? I'll be able to jump higher. I'm be, like dunk like MJ. That'll never happen. But see, I'm starting to work. So when you guys become Christians in your, in your baby walk, you guys have some kind of spiritual gift that you should start using. And that spiritual gift maybe just... Maybe inviting a friend to church. Maybe that spiritual gift is just telling someone that I'm a follower of Christ and I believe in what he says. But as you guys start exercising your faith, as you start stretching it out and you guys grow in your walk, then all of a sudden you guys aren't babies anymore and then you can just walk around like, ah, I believe in Christ, what you got? You want to know about Christ? You want to know what I learned? Your, your knowledge has expanded to the point where now... Dude, nobody can break you down. You guys can say stuff. You can defend yourself. But a lot of us sit in this spot to where we're the butt cheeks because we don't want to grow. We don't want to learn. We don't want to do. And that's how this whole thing came up with sin. We become so dull to the things of God that we are justifying sinful behavior as holy behavior. We're saying, it's okay. I'm saved by grace through faith. We only keep saying that because it's all we know. There's something so much more to what God is calling us to. So in, in Romans chapter 12, 9 through 13, listen to this. It's right in your Bible. Here we go. We're going to write the loving participation in the gospel. Write it in the index. I don't care where you write it. As believers, we are to love all people. So look, there's a big list. There's a huge list, our relationship to others. Let me read this to you. Number one is to love without hypocrisy. We're supposed to abhor evil, cling to good. Now, we're going to come back to those two. I don't have enough time to go through all ten. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. What does give preference to one another mean? What? Give preference to one another. Yeah. Put someone else before you. Right? So that's, that's like if someone comes into our youth room and we're eating the last jelly donut, we're about to take a bite of it, and they're like, that's my favorite jelly donut. You're like, here, you can have it. Right? How often do we put people's needs in front of ours? Like, how often are we so dedicated to that other person that you just go somewhere because he went? Brotherly love. 
Now, I will say your brotherly love's not complete until you're a believer in Christ. I don't know if you are or not, but that's when true love takes form. And then it says this, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, devoted to prayer. These are spiritual disciplines, prayer, right? Rejoicing, serving, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Practicing hospitality that's something our youth group struggles with. When new people come into our youth group, we're like this. Did anybody say hi to Sean number two? Hi. See, we make it uncomfortable for new believers when they come into our youth room. Like we're like, look at the new kid. Don't look at him, he's looking. We make it uncomfortable for people. Guys, if I was Sean, I'd be like, don't ask me if I needed anything. We're believers in Christ, guys. Listen, we should be loving without hypocrisy. We should be clinging to what is good. We should be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Devoted in love. Give preference to one another. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope. Devoted to prayer. Contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. This is your guys' life. This is the practical life meets the lost. It's practical. This is what's given to you, and then you go out, and that's what meets the lost. That's how we tell people about Jesus because we don't mind, we don't mind if we're hanging out with the evil, but it says abhor it, don't cling to it, right? And it actually says cling to good. Which means we can go around people that are lost. We have to tell them about Jesus. And then if this other stuff goes on, we can say, look, we're, we're not going to partake of that. We're going to push that away, and I'm going to cling to what is good. What is good is the Word of God. That's what's good. That's what's good. The Word of God is what changes hearts because it's good. It's good. Bad attitudes, sinful nature. That's what pushes people away from God. Why? Because it's bad. Right? So we need to start looking at our relationship to others. We need to start paying attention to what we're doing and what kind of gospel we're delivering to people. I'll be honest with you guys real quick. When uh I must be nervous. My left leg is shaking like really bad, dude. Dude, what is going on? It's gotta be the jump rope. Um, listen to me though, real quick. Listen to this. When when I was your age. When I was your age and I went to a church with Jess, uh, the, the pastor there, he, he, preached a, um, he preached a message about, about trusting God, right? And I, I felt like the Lord like talking, like touching my heart during this, my leg it won't stop shaking, okay? I felt the Lord like talking to me and then after church, uh, Ron happened to walk by and, and I asked Doug and Polly, which is Jess's mom and dad, hey, uh, how do you trust something that you can't see? And they were like, you know what, that's a, that's a real good question. Why don't you ask Pastor Ron? So Pastor Ron comes walking by me, and they're like, Brooks, ask Ron the question. And I said, okay. So I said, hey, how do you, uh, how do you, how do you, how do you trust something that you can't see? That man's answer to me, I'm not going to say what was said, but it changed the direction of my life for five, six years. I left the church. I was like, nope. He was a godly Christian that should have been directing 
and instead it went to insulting. And I left the church. So if you think for a second that our relationship with the lost does not matter, you're wrong. Because if someone asks you a simple question and you spout off an answer like I received, ultimately you're pushing them from the church. You're pushing them from the truth. And you just showed them your true character. So understand that there's a lot at stake when it comes to this Christian life. Now, we're going to look at the first two things when it's Romans 12, 9, and 13. Listen, as believers, we are to love all people. I love this. We are to love all people without hypocrisy. Okay? Do you guys know what hypocrisy means? Do you guys know what hypocrisy means? Do you guys know what hypocrite means? Okay? The original meaning of hypocrite, if you take that back, back in the day, a hypocrite was someone that actually was an actor and they wore the little masks, right? So essentially it is them pretending, acting to be something that they weren't. So if you were a hypocrite, if it says that we are to love all people without hypocrisy, that means, guys, you're to love all people, like pretty much the way you want to be loved, pretty much the way Jesus loved you. So, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's love. That's agape love. It's not a sensual love. It's, it's like deep, deep, deep love. So we are to love all people. So think about your life this week. Have you showed that deep, deep love to people? And not just to people and Christians, but to the lost. Have you showed this love? When the Engelmans and the Parnells get together, we call it the Parnellmans, right? And when we get together, we were walking out of, we were walking out of in and out, and this man was really, really upset that there was nine of us. And when he came, it started out, I think, as a good behavior. He opened up the door, but then when he realized that there was nine of us, not just one, the man got a little upset, used the Lord's name in vain, like stomped in, and quickly I could have been like, you know what, sucker? Like, I don't really like your mouth. But I had to hold, hold my tongue. And you know what I said? Thank you. Thank you. This man's belligerent. And I'm like, thank you. That was nice of you. So this love, right? I had a second to where I could have been like, hey, sucker. You know, but instead I was like, thank you. Love. Easily. We were walking through the store yesterday. Jess is going to Missouri, and, and we're walking. Man, where were we at? But anyways, it doesn't matter. You ever been walking through an aisle, and the dude's like walking right at you, and he won't even move a shoulder for you to get by? You know, and he does this number, like as he goes by, because you're like, so I'm, I'm like walking, and I see this dude come, and I can tell what he's doing. So I just, I just move my kids. Hey, sorry, have a good day. You know what I mean? Just, but easily, I could have like walked into him and been like, what's up, chump? Want some? Right? But I'm not showing the love to anybody. Too often we let this worldly standard of, I'm a man. Like, we ain't going to let that happen. Not on my turf. Look, there it is. Right? But what we need to do is it's like this. Oh, you just step. There, just, there's another line. Step over that one. Christ said what? Turn the other cheek. Too often we're too quick to lash out and strike down and condemn people. Too quick. And as the body of Christ, when it comes to your generation that is falling, I mean, not out of the church, but like falling, just not only out of the church, but into hell. Because eternity matters. 
We have a choice to love. Love without hypocrisy. I love this. 1 Peter 4.8 says it this way. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love conquers a multitude of sins. Our love to other people matters. Our walk to other people matters because that's what they see. That's what they touch. In a, in a physical world, that's what they touch, Sean. That's what they can see is how you act to people. It's how you treat people. They can see. And then when you guys treat people the right way, one day they're going to be like, what is your story? Why are you so different? And that's when you go, because I got Jesus. Because I got Jesus. They're going to look at you and they're going to go, why are you so different? What? You don't even get angry. Like, I tried knocking you over inside of in and out and use the Lord's name in vain, and, and you were like, thank you. Have a good day. Why? Because we love them the way Christ loves us, and that's, it doesn't end. It goes on and on and on. See, John Calvin comments it this way. It is difficult to express how ingenuous almost all men are in counterfeiting love. Which means the majority of people you're going to meet are going to counterfeit that love. They're going to be like, oh man, you're awesome, I love you. But understand, when I tell you guys, like, I honestly love you, if you called me, like, at midnight, I would wake up. And if you said, hey, I need you, I would be there. How many of your friends are you going to call at midnight and they're like, I'm on it, let's go? Got one. For you guys in this room, understand you got two. You got me. If you call at midnight, dude, if you were to call me and say, you know what, Brooks, I put myself in a rough situation. I just need to ride home. I'd be like, I got you. Let me come and get you. Where you at? You're in Pahrump? Lord, what are you doing out there? I'm bringing my gun. All right? Look, because I love you, my love is genuine. And it's the same genuine love that we should show everyone else that we come into contact with. So last week I spoke about what do your friends say about you when you're not around? Are they going to be like, well, you know what? Um, he's my homie. Like, dude, through thick and thin. Or are your friends going to be like, well, you know, actually, he, he kind of talks bad about this person, that person rolls into that person. And it becomes this big spider web of the tongue being unleashed amongst Christians and we're hurting other people and we're not building anybody up and we're just insulting and beating them down. So this is love. See, now, these are my words. If we offer our love to people, if we ourselves put ourselves out there and we show compassion and we show love and we show grace, it would draw people to the gospel. When someone's down and out, when you offer that love, they would be like, what is so different? And you say, I got the love of Christ living through me right now. Do you want to know how you can have eternal salvation? This is how you do it. And it's through this love. It's no matter what sinful behavior, what sinful action, what they've done, what they're going to do, or anything else like that, but it's this love that conquers a multitude of sins conquers a multitude of shortcomings. And now as believers, as the body of Christ, this love is our biggest weapon that we can use. When people spit at us, we love them, right? When people smack us, we love them. 
When people break us down and push us out, we love them. And we don't let our tongue cut loose on him when he's not around. Because you know what? Every tough guy can talk smack when the guy's not around. That's just the truth. But when you talk love, like, you know what? I don't know why this Damien dude don't like me, but you know what? I'm going to love him. I'm going to love him. Or, or how about when you realize you've done something to somebody and then you step out of your way just to apologize to him? Who's ever thought in their life like, man, I slipped that one up? Did you go back and apologize? Did you say sorry? Or did we just say he'll forget about it? I had a girl when I was in seventh grade call me ugly, and it was mean, dude. She was like, you're ugly. And still to this day, I remember what I was wearing. I remember what she was wearing. I remember where we were. Dude, I almost remember what class we were going to. And she was like, you're ugly. And I remember it because her words hurt. And honestly, I'm not that ugly of a dude. I mean, I'm pretty good looking, all right? So, so this is love. We are, to, we are to conquer this inside of us. So when I come to you guys and I'm talking to you like young Christians, like future adults, not teenagers, future adults, I'm talking to you out of love. And I'm talking to you because I expect so much more out of you guys. I expect you guys, even if you're not doing nothing wrong, I expect so much more. Why? Because you're the future of the church. And without you guys, it doesn't matter what any 90-year-old person says down there. They're closing out their years in Christ. It's that simple. You guys at 15, 16, 13, 12, you guys are the future of the church. And without you guys, without this ministry, youth ministry, there is no future church. So I come aggressive. I come loud. I'm obnoxious. I try to blend in with you guys and your words and fleek and all, and I just can't do it, all right? But what I can use, I can use my 90-something lingo, and I can touch your guys' hearts and hopefully change you. And that's what I try to do. So when you leave here, don't be like, man, Brooks is a jerk. Be like, you know what, Brooks, man, that was, man, I'm, he's encouraging me. Be encouraged. Be encouraged because I do it out of love. So the next point we're going to move on to, which you guys are going to have to listen really, really fast because we're coming to the end today, is this. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing that's going to affect us more in our Christian life than the evil that we let in. And I've touched bases on that the last two weeks. It's this evil that we let in that we start justifying as good. During the, the sanctification process, this is what messes up your walk that you have every week. It's what makes it like this, up and down. Daily we're being sanctified. And if we start, if we start abhorring that, pushing that evil away, and understanding what's good is the Word of God, if we start understanding that, then our walk will maintain out some, and you'll start having the spot to where you want to spend time with God. You want to have this relationship with Him. You want to. So, listen. Paul, in this, in this verse right here where he says, abhor the evil, when he says that, he offsets pushing away the evil and clinging to what is good. That word cling, I have to tell you what this means. That word cling, if you take it back to its original language, it means to cleave. You guys ever heard of cleave? 
cleave. Genesis, you should leave your mother and father and cleave to your wife, which means there's a, a joining of something. There's this joining. So here where it says cleave, the word cleave can also be translated to glue. So it says, abhor what is evil and glue yourself to what's good. So if you glue something, if it's that gorilla glue, it ain't coming apart, right? So look, abhor evil Gorilla glue yourself to what is good. Does that make sense? We are to see what is good and we, we cleave to it. We join with it. We are to glue to it and then there's nothing that's going to separate us from it. Nothing. And that's what we are called to do right here in Romans 12. We are to glue ourselves to it. And when we glue ourselves to it, guys, we become faithful to the word. When we glue ourselves to it, we become faithful to love. When we glue ourselves to it, we become faithful with all these things. Listen, we're going to go over the list again. Love without hypocrisy. Abhor evil. Cling to good, which is glue yourself to what's good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Something I just noticed. You notice it says, abhor evil, cling to good. And then your next seven items is be devoted. Give preference fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. There's no evil in that list. There's none. So when we start loving, we start hating the evil, we start clinging to what is good, we're gluing ourselves to what is good, and then there's this union there's this union with us. Now, I want to emphasize this to you before I let you guys go. Do you think there's biblical examples of young people that were monsters in the faith? Do you? Listen. Isaac listened and respected his father Abraham when Abraham wanted to sacrifice him. Joshua served as Moses' assistant as a young man. Samuel, as a small child, heard the voice of God when he was serving with Eli when God's voice in the land was rare, which means you didn't hear it much. David killed Goliath as a young man. Jeremiah served as a prophet. Josiah led a revival while he was young. Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not to be confused with Donald Shadrach, okay? They were possibly middle school-aged kids. And you know what's intriguing about Daniel and his friends is the fact that they were pulled out of Jerusalem. They got put into a pagan land. They had to learn the pagan education, same as you guys. And they still upheld God in their high viewpoint of Scripture and their high viewpoint of God Jehovah. Through the same thing you guys walk through, they were upheld through it. Because why? Because they glued themselves to what was good. They were surrounded with evil, and they glued themselves to what was good. So we're going to close like this with you guys today. A quick story with you guys. Open up to Mark 2, verses 2 through 5. Mark 2, verses 2 through 5. I want you guys to highlight this right here. This is this is story... During my weekly preparations to teach you all, I have 
uh, a book, a pastoral book. I read two to three pages of every day. That's how I start my morning. Then from there, I'll start reading over my Sunday school lesson. Like tomorrow morning, I'll be reading over next week's lesson. And then all week long, I do small preparation and then build up till Friday where I'm like bursting and I just want to start yelling this lesson out to people. Um, But then on top of that, I also have started reading through one of the Gospels because I think it's important that we keep the strong foundation of Jesus and what he was. And as I was preparing this lesson... Mark 2, verses 2 through 5, started screaming at me. Let me find it. I tell you guys to do things, and I don't, I don't do the same thing. Hold on a minute. Mark 2, verses 2 through 5, listen to what it says. God's word reads like this. And many were gathered together so that there was no longer room, not even near the door. And he was speaking the word to them. He was Jesus. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men, being unable To get to him, because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was laying. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. I want you to look at a few words. In verse 3 it says, They came bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four men. If you have your pen, circle four men. Being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying, and Jesus seeing their faith. Circle their faith. This story is about the paralytic man but you guys cannot miss the fact that this paralytic man's four friends carried him to see Jesus. Carried this paralyzed man to see Jesus. And when they got to the door, they couldn't get in because there was too many people listening. So these four men went above and beyond. They ripped a hole in the roof of the house he was in, and they lowered their friend down into the presence of Jesus. And Jesus said, because of their faith. The paralytic man was looking for Jesus. The four friends got him there. You guys... At school, your friends, whether they want to admit it or not, they need Jesus, and they're looking for Jesus, and it is your job to get them to Jesus. It is your job for them to see Jesus in you. It is your job to love them without hypocrisy. It is your job to lower them down into the presence of Jesus, and your faith will carry them to Him and they will be healed. It's the four friends. See, listen, a disciple of Christ is defined by these four things. They have a personal relationship with Jesus. They are under the total authority of Jesus. They possess and demonstrate the character of Jesus. And a disciple must be prepared to suffer for Jesus. That is a disciple. And we are all called to go and make disciples. So, do you have a relationship with Jesus the teacher? Are you underneath Jesus the teacher's authority? Do you demonstrate the character of Jesus on a daily basis? And are you prepared to suffer for Jesus? 
That's what Christianity is. That's what believing in Christ does. And if you say, you know what, Pastor Brooks, I don't suffer for Jesus, you're not walking with Jesus. Bold comment, hard comment, truthful comment. If you don't suffer for Jesus, you're not walking with Jesus. Plain and simple. So we're going to close it like this. We're going to, we're going to pray real quick, but it, it says this. Isaiah 61 verse 1 through 2 says it this way. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. That's what you guys have been called. You guys have been called to bring good news to the afflicted. And the four men in Mark that carried the paralytic down, what did they do? They carried that man to the good news. And sometimes as Christians, our life is going to be hard. Our life is going to be painful. But you know what? We are to continue carrying this gospel message so people can surrender themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's that simple. And how do we do it? We do it like this. Love without hypocrisy. Abhor evil. Cling to good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Devoted to prayer contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. That's how we do it. So when you say, you know what, Lord, I, I can't do this without you, you're 100% correct. You cannot do it without them. And then you need to start saying, Lord, teach me to love the way you love me. T love me so I can love them. And let me cling. Let me become one with what is good and what you're telling me. So let's pray real quick, guys. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, God, I am thankful for Jesus Christ.